Hi, this is Pastor Rick. I'm glad you joined us today on demand. I love on demand because people who come on demand, they've decided they want to hear a word. And so I have a word for you today. Today, we're going to talk about decisions. We're going to close out our series on the armor of God in Ephesians, and it's going to be amazing. So get your Bible open, Ephesians chapter six, and let's talk about how Paul said you need to dress if you want to win. It's a decision you make to put on the right armor and it's the decision you make to be fully dressed. So stay with us and watch this. Bless your life. Repeat the topic with me, please. Say deciding, deciding. To, fight. to fight. Today, as we launch into this study, my goal is to review first. If you look at the review notes, which is entitled Deciding to Have Power Over Your Real Enemy. I want to take you back to Ephesians chapter 6, verse, verse 10. And I want to quickly read a verse for you. The whole first set of notes uh, that is dated um, uh, July 20th, uh, eighth on your notes. Um, sorry, it's not. It's, uh, what is it dated here? It's dated July 6th, I'm sorry. That, that set of notes um, is designed to refresh your memory. So for the next four or five minutes, I just want to make sure you are up to date with me. And then we'll pick up where we are today in our study. Ephesians chapter 6, verse 10 says, Finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against principalities and against what? Powers. Against the rulers of the darkness of this age. We wrestle against spiritual hosts of wickedness in the heavenly places. Therefore, take upon you the whole armor of God that you may be able to withstand in the evil day, and having done all to stand, hang with me, verse 14, stand therefore, having girded your waist with truth, having put on the breastplate of righteousness, and having shod your feet with the preparation of the gospel of peace. Let me pause there for a minute and say, this whole sermon was about one decision. The decision you made to be strong. And the premise of the sermon was, a few weeks ago, strength is a decision. You decide to be strong. It's, 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 it's that simple. You decide to go to the gym and work out. You decide that you're not going to be a person who can't move. All I have to do is walk so many minutes a day, exercise a little bit, I change my life. You have to decide to save money. You make a decision not to respond that way. You make a decision not to be around those people. You make a decision to go to school. You make a decision to study. You make a decision. It's all about decisions. You decide how you respond to everything. And my argument is you decide to be strong and you decide to focus on your real enemy. What this verse says, your real enemy is not people. It's principalities and powers. It's not a person. It's not your dad, your mom, your cousin. You want to make it that. That's easy. That's an easy target. But it goes far beyond that. And when you understand that, it changes everything. So your, your real enemy begins to be part of your focus. So in the sermon, I talked about who you're fighting. And I said you're fighting a spiritual enemy. And your, your enemy is someone that's invisible. You're not going to physically see them. There's a spiritual warfare going on. You couldn't mess up a community this bad with so many of the issues we face, some of the things we face in our families, without somebody working behind the scenes. And that's the whole argument of the verse. And what he says is you're fighting principalities and powers. That's an organized enemy. This is not just thrown together. Then I answered the question, how are we fighting? We're fighting by making decisions. Can you sit up with me, please? Come on. We're fighting by making decisions. You make a decision to put on the entire armor of God, the whole thing, not part of it, not half of it, but all of it. Now, Paul is in a jail, 
and he's looking at a Roman soldier, and he sees a Roman soldier dressed, and he draws from that dress an analogy for us. And what he says is that, first of all, you need to make sure you put on the entire armor. Then he jumps and he lists for us a series of things. Um, It's under what's called round two. If you see round one, round two, round three, round four. My original plan was to do four sermons talking about each of those. So I was going to do a sermon talking about the whole armor, which I did a few weeks ago. The importance of being totally committed. Then if you go to round two, I'm going to talk about the importance of having faith and the importance of being clear in your thinking, putting on the helmet of salvation. Your thoughts need to be clear. Then I said I was going to talk about the importance of having a sword, of being able to fight back. And he says, make sure you take the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God, so you can fight back. Then it says, making sure that you pray. Now, if you go back up with me in your notes, okay, and you go to chapter um, uh, 6 of Ephesians, verse 18, here's what he says. Praying always, well, I'm sorry, go back to verse 16. Above all, take the shield of faith. Then in verse 17, take the helmet of salvation. I put in bold prints for you. And then he said, take the sword of the spirit. Come on, say the shield of faith. Helmet of salvation, salvation. the sword of the spirit. Spirit. And then in verse 18, he says, praying always with all prayer and supplication, which means I want you to pray and I want you to supplicate. The word supplicate means to make requests. So those are the things that he says you need to make sure you do if you want to win. That's what he asks you to do. If you want to be the kind of person who, who wins, if you want to be strong, then you have to ask for something. Supplicate. Don't just live. Have a specific list of things you want. God doesn't mind. And I want to do a whole sermon on that, but I'm not today. And, and I talked about persevering and praying and so on. So that was pretty much the essence of the sermon. And so the review is over. Go to the top of your notes, please, or to the next page of your notes. And I wanted, just, I wanted to finish that off a little bit. And I wanted to, to turn to another element of this conversation. The decision to be strong requires that you also make the decision to fight. Strength is one thing, but knowing how to use your strength is another. So you pray, you put on the whole armor of God, but you're just not winning. You say, well, Pastor, everything on that list that you said put on, you know, I, I believe, I, you know, I'm, I'm truthful, I put on the breastplate of you know, righteousness, I'm trying to do the right thing, my head's pretty clear, but, but why are you losing? Here's why you lose, because you haven't made the next decision, deciding to fight. So you have done everything you can do to have a good job, to have a good life, and you're still losing. Why? Because you haven't made the next decision. Repeat this with me, please. I will not accept this. Come on, say it again. I will not accept this. Now listen to me, in life, there are times when things come at you. And, and again, think beyond flesh and blood. Think beyond a person. I'm not talking about going home and fighting a person. There are things that come into our lives and hearts and minds that we need to stand up to. And that's a decision only you can make. And I thought it'd be great to see this in the context of a story in Judges chapter 7. This is a guy, his name is Gideon. And he's a guy that's amazing. He's come through a lot in his life, and he is under the oppression of a group of people called the Midianites and the Ammonites, Amalekites, and this has just been a constant harassment for him and Israel. And so 
he gathers 30,000 soldiers at this point in his life, and these 30,000 soldiers are set to fight the Midianites. But something amazing happens, if I can jump ahead of the story a little bit. I'll read it for you in a minute, but let me just jump ahead of the story. He gathers 30,000 people to stand up to his enemies. He decides to fight. He decides to stand up for the nation. They're no longer going to be oppressed. And so when he does that, God looks at him and says, well, I've got a problem with this plan. And the problem is you have too many people going with you. Because if you take 30,000 people, first of all, you're going to think you did it, and you won't give me any glory. So God does this amazing thing. He says, I'll tell you what, I want you to line them up. And he said, when you line them up, I want you to ask them a question. How many of you are fearful and don't want to fight? And can you believe that 20,000 people raised their hand and God said, let them go home? Now, you know, when you go to battle and you got 30,000 soldiers, you feel pretty confident. I got my people with me, my team. And now 20,000. Can you see that number, please? Come on. Now, you know, and that's a lot of people leaving at one time. And so he goes back to them again, and uh, the Lord looks at him, and now he's got 10,000 left, and he says, ah, you still got too many people. I want you to have them get down, and I want to divide them in two groups. When they drink water, if some drink and lap like a dog, I want you to put them on one side, and those who drink with the head in the water and don't look up, put them on the other side. So 300 went one way, 9,700 went the other way. Now, you know what you're praying right about now, right? Come on, Lord. I know you're not serious. I know we're not about to send 9,700 away and leave me with 300 people to fight this battle. This is a story that shows you a powerful truth. That when you decide to fight, the fight's not going to always be the way you thought it was going to be. Can I get a bigger amen on that one? You decided to fight. You decided to, to go into this career. You decided to make these investments. You decided, you decided, but now you're in the fight and it's not what you planned. Now, here's what I want you to notice. This was probably one of the greatest revelations I've had in a long time. Because for pastors, it's all about numbers, if you're not careful. It's all about how many people to come. It's all about, you know, buildings, budgets, and bodies. The three B's. People ask you, how many you got coming now? And how big is your budget? And how big is the building? And you always want to say we're building something if you're not careful. Come on, say the three B's. Come on. Come on, say buildings, bodies, and budgets. And so Gideon is in a space where he wants to fight, and he's relying upon the bodies. He knows that he can take these folks on because he's got the bodies in his life. And some of us are the same way. Your faith is not in God. Your faith is in your spouse. Your faith is in the crowd you have around you. If you're not careful, your, your, your faith is way more connected to people than it should be. And for me, as I, I was studying, matter of fact, something else. I was in another study research project. And, and I ran across this little element, and, I, and, I, and I, it, it captured me and took me away from what I was studying. And for a, a long time, I found myself being redirected in my own heart. Ricky, what do you really believe is your source of strength? 
Is your, is your strength tied to numbers? Or is it tied to me? This is the lesson for Gideon. This is not about how big your, friend, your friendships are and your family. And all that's nice, but that's not, this is not it. That's not it. It's me. Am I the one you trust? Well, watch the story. Five observations about the way God fights from the story that, that amazed me. The Bible said that Gideon and all the people who were with him arose early and encamped, this is in Judges chapter 7, verse 1, besides the well of Harad. So the camp of the Midianites was on the north side of them by the hill of Moriah in the valley. Now, notice with me verse 2. The Lord said to Gideon, The people who are with you are too many for me to give the Midianites into their hands, lest Israel claim glory for itself against me, saying, My own hand has saved me. And that brings us to the first observation about the way God fights. God does not depend on a crowd. Say that with me. Please come on. Just doesn't. We do. He does not. And the megachurch has done a disservice to the church because it's made us think that that is the way it is. The average church has 100 people they're about attending. And somehow, if we're not careful, the panning of the crowd, the large numbers, makes us think that's where God's power is. We even believe it's a more anointed service when it's a lot of people. We're disappointed if it's not as many people present. But God never depends on a crowd, do you? Second thing about the way God fights. God does not fight with the fearful. Say that with me, please come on. (laughs) You must press past your fear if you want God to join the fight. There's something amazing about this moment in verse 3. Proclaim in front of the people, saying, Whoever is fearful and afraid, let him let him depart. You can go home, guys, it's over with. Can, Can you just imagine? How, how, what, first of all, I'm thinking, what in the world, what was in your mind when you went to battle? I mean, fear is a part of it. But for you to actually walk away is amazing. But God, God can't help you if you are fearful and you're not willing to step past that. Courage is, is not about not being afraid. Courage is about going past fear. So you may be afraid of school, but just go sign up anyway. You may be scared to death of math, but just do the first math problem. Third thing that I learned, God does not fight with the passive. Say that with me, please. Come on. If you don't pay attention, you cannot be trusted in battle. So he separates the soldiers and says, okay, if you guys aren't attentive, you don't get to fight with me. He only wants the attentive to go. And then fourthly, you learn this important lesson. God does not mind seeing people leave. Say that with me, please. Come on. God does not mind seeing people leave. Can you survive people leaving and standing alone? Now, for some of us, that's hard. But here's what I've learned about success. Success is isolating. Somebody was talking to me the other day, and they were telling me how lonely they were. And I said, that's because you're successful. And they paused and said, what do you mean? I said, you, you said there's nobody around you most of the time, right? Yeah, because I said, you're successful. And I started naming the areas of success. God doesn't want everybody in the room with you. Amen. I always love this example. If you came into a whole bunch of money, 
all of a sudden, you probably wouldn't take anybody to the bank with you. You'd probably just go by yourself. <laughs> you wouldn't. You never think about it. Then I could give me 50000 You'd say, okay, Monday morning, you'd be at the bank. Most of you, right? Right. At the bank, Monday morning. I'm coming in late to work. I got something to do. And you would, you would go by yourself. There are times that you have to be alone for God to do what he wants to do in your life. He has to isolate you, separate you from the crowd. You're praying for people to come in your life. He says, no, listen, I know you want these people to stay. Imagine this moment. You start out, right, with 30,000 people. You end up with, three, with 1% of the people you started out with. Some of you say, that's my life. All my good friends, buddy, but that's, they're gone. That's why I tell all the high school students, party now. It's going to be over soon. They're going to lie to you at graduation and say, I'll see you. No, they won't. <laughs> Most of these people, 98% of them are going to disappear right. off the face of the earth. You won't even see them again. Amen. College, I mean, his, college is the same way. It's amazing how you end up with you. Ricky Temple spends 90% of his time alone. I am married, got a great marriage, a great wife, but she didn't, when I write these sermons, she's not with me. She can't be. She may be in another room. There's a lot of alone time. And you're praying something that, that cannot be answered. God, I need more friends. No, you don't. You barely deal with the ones you got. Sometimes in life, in that moment, when you watch all these people leave, God is saying, this is me. I need you to, it's nice to have a crowd. I'm glad I have good friends that I can laugh with and howl with. But I need to learn to be with Ricky. Can you do yourself a favor? Say, I need to learn to be with me. Come on. How about touching yourself? I need to be with me. Come on. Me. It's scary to stand there and watch 29,700 people leave, talking to each other. Hey, man, I'm glad it's over with. <laughs> I mean, I'm just, I mean, be Gideon for a minute. This is a panic moment. And so what does he do? He's, he's frazzled. And so we learn the fifth lesson. God does not fight without research. Say that with me, please. Come on. What he says to Gideon is that, Gideon, I'll make a deal with you. I want you to go to the camp of the enemy and do some research. I want you to do a little intelligence work. I want you to go and see that I've already gone before you. I've already handled this. I know it's overwhelming to you. I know you can't figure this out. How in the world am I going to win when 29,700 people left. Some of you are mad with God because your husband's not with you anymore, or your wife's not with you anymore, or your friends are not, and your, your grandkids are not, or whoever it is in your children, and you're just so frustrated. The Lord says, you just pause for a minute. Is your faith in them or me? And so you've decided you're not going to fight unless somebody goes to church with you. You're not going to pray unless somebody prays with you. It's always about somebody being with you. How about you being with you? Amen. So Gideon decides to go. Verse 10. If you're afraid to go down, maybe so, God. That's a good qu- If I'm afraid, that's a good point, God. If I'm afraid, 
Yeah, I'm afraid. Because 29,700 people left. <laughs> if you are afraid, go down to the camp of Purah and take Purah, your servant, and you shall hear what they say. It's amazing. So verse 13, skip down to the verse. When God, you know, Gideon had come, this is Judges chapter 7, verse 13. It says that uh, when Gideon had come, there was a man telling uh, a dream to his companion. And he said, I have a dream. To my surprise, a loaf of barley bread tumbled into the camp of Midian, and it came to a tent and struck it that it fell and overturned, and the tent collapsed. Verse 14, then his companion answered and said, there, this is nothing but the sword of who? Gideon. Pause for a second. He said, the son of Joash, a man of Israel, into his hand God has delivered Midian and the whole camp. So Gideon is eavesdropping on this conversation. So God tells him, hey, look, if, you, if you're worried now because you only got 300 people left, go listen to what the enemy is saying. And here's what happens if you read the rest of the chapter. They win. God had already gone before him. God has already gone before you. He's waiting on you to decide to fight. He's already won the battle. He's already given you victory. If, that, if you don't believe that's true, please go back to your biggest trial in your past. Go back to the biggest time you were broke. Go back to the time when you were the most depressed. Did you make it? Come on, did you make it? Come on, amen, you made it. Come on, give God a big hand clap. You made it. Now, here's the question. What didn't you see? You didn't see that he'd already gone before you. Now, you can sit there all your life and you can feel bad and you can go down in the dumps. But until you make a decision to go, until you make a decision to fight, you lose. And so this is my observation I want to make. I thought this was amazing. I came away with a ton of lessons, seven personal observations from this story. Sometimes you have too much confidence in the size of your personal army. That's the first thing that stood out to me. And as a preacher, that's a really important lesson. Secondly, sometimes you, you can greatly <laughs> underestimate what a few people can do. God is more of a special forces fighter. He sends a few people in and do a whole lot of damage. Thirdly, sometimes I found it's amazing to me that so many people <laughs> really did not want to fight for their homeland. They look like they wanted to fight. They had on, you know, the uniforms, they look, you know, whatever, they, you know, the swords, but they weren't really committed. And, and that's one of the hard lessons in life. When you decide to fight, you find out in your family, a lot of people, they don't want to fight. They'll cry over grandmama at her funeral. They'll fall out with tears and scream and kick. Oh, boy, make all kind of noise. Beverly, you know I'm telling the truth. We do funerals all the time. They fall out. Scream, yell, and then all, let me tell you, the thing to silence the room is say, mama didn't have enough insurance. There you go. (laughs) Bam. Lips quiet. Nobody has a word. Everybody's tears dry up. Everybody (laughs) shake their head. (laughs) And and if you want to really empty the room, say, I need $500. Oh, Jesus. Five. Okay, you can say a hundred. It don't have to be five. You can say a hundred dollars. You can say $50. You can say the biggest, loudest crying people don't want to give a dime. Amen. 
We don't need that many programs. Just tell everybody, everybody's name. Just read it out loud. You don't need any programs. You don't need a casket. Just, you know, just um, cremate them. You know, I'm not against cremation. I'm just saying, they, let me tell you, the, the money causes crickets to come in the room. Crickets. Crickets. No noise. It's amazing how many people don't want to fight. It's amazing. Oh, God. Can I say something that had nothing to do with this for a minute? You know I went back to school, right? I'm going to tell you right now. I, I, I thought about quitting this thing. I, I had a few moments. I, I said, this ain't God. This is the devil here. This thing is killing me. This is dragging me by the throat. What in the world is this? I'm a good student, but it's just, Lord, Father, God. I've spoken tongues a few times. Everything. I, could. I need to do something. Man, I just couldn't believe that the professor gave me that much work. I said, you're not serious. Are you serious? And it's due how many days? I, honest to God, you just, you know, you just, you know, you can't. And then, you know, the team around me, they just sickening. You can't quit. You know, the whole church tell me stuff like that. You want to try it again? Come on, Pastor. You can't quit. Come on. No, you ain't strong enough. You better try harder than that. Come on. You better try harder. Come on. Say it again. Come on. All right. There you go. That might help a brother. That might help a <laughs> Woo. What? What? <laughs> Jesus' name. <laughs> I need this moment of silence. I'm telling you. I'm telling you. It's been amazing. All A's so far. Thank you, Jesus. But. They cost. All right, I know, I know. Don't clap too. They don't clap too long. Don't clap too long. Stop it, stop it. Don't clap too long. <laughs> oh God. Thank you, Jesus. Where was I? Number four. <laughs> it's amazing to me that ten thousand out of ten thousand people, only three percent were were still attentive. Only they, they were just not attentive. It's amazing. I can only imagine twenty nine thousand seven hundred people saying on the way back home, man, I, I'm glad that's over. <laughs> I'm amazed that God had already gone before them. And number seven, I'm amazed that nobody that left turned around. Nobody. They're not coming back. Let me say this again. They're not coming back to help you fight. He's not coming back. She's not coming. Listen, listen. Understand there's a moment in your life when it's you. Some people can't come back. Some people, they fought as long as they could. There comes a moment in your life. This is the moment when Gideon is standing there and he says, listen. They're all gone. 29,700 people have left me and it's only 300. And so all I have is my 300. Can you hold three fingers? Say my 300. Come on. 300. That's all you got. It's all you have. I thought that was an only child being raised. There's only two in this house. It's two. It's two people. And my mom would let me know, it's two of us. So if somebody dug in the watermelon, it wasn't me, it was you. <laughs> it was you. Don't be lying. You know you did it. <laughs> couldn't even lie good when you had him but two of us in here. 
<laughs> two people. It's two. And she used to look at me. She used to get down. And she said, let me tell you something. Listen to me. Ain't nobody else here. <laughs> me and you. So if you don't make your bed up, there's nobody but me to make it up. But so you need to make it up. And listen, I got to go to work. And I don't have time to come down to your school and tell your teacher to tell you to be quiet. So let me tell you now, be quiet. <laughs> you don't want me to come to your school. And don't go to jail. If you go to jail, I am not going to get you out. Amen. She did. She, and I, you know, I believed her. She, let me tell you, she's a prophetess. She, didn't, she never lied to me. And she squint that little face up and say, now let me tell you. How many people in this house, Rick? Two. So I don't need you to be a lazy man. I want you to understand. And it's amazing when you realize there's nobody coming. Amen. I had a scary moment when, she was, when I was a kid. I remember she got overwhelmed by some films and, and she passed out in the house. We were painting the house and she passed out. And um, I, I, drew, I was, man, how old was I? Nine? Something like that. And I dragged her outside of the house, and I was screaming, man, help me, help me, and nobody came. So I ran, and I called Zero back then, <laughs> asked for ambulance, and the ambulance came. She revived, thank God. But I will never forget that alone moment. Ain't nobody coming. And it's just two of us. That was a moment. When are you going to realize it? They're not turning around. They're not coming back. You've got to decide to fight. With the 300 you've got, Gideon. I've already gone before you. So how does this apply to our church? God, I hope you got that. Man, I hope you got that. Some of you just need to get that. You need to get it. There's a look I get, my family says. It's a fight look. So look, I think I'm going to be late to something. That I tell myself. There's a look I get. And I have to dig down deep and make it happen. There's a look I get. And you need to get a look. A passion, a drive. I'm not letting this do me in. I'm not letting this in my life. You're, let, you're letting this in your life. You cannot, you cannot do that. And listen to me. That's not my decision. You will lose if you don't decide to fight. There are times I get in the mirror and I say, Ricky, Temple. Gather yourself. Gather yourself. You don't have the right to be that down. You don't have the right to doubt God in the season of your life. God has been good to you. And if I really want to get down, I said, black man, don't you play with me. <laughs> Sorry, excuse me. Cover years if you need to. Tell yourself. You're a white man, tell yourself. White man, Asian man, so, so I don't care, tall, small, whatever you are, say it to yourself. Come up with a label for yourself and say, I will not allow. 
There were seasons raising my kids, man. It was tough. Amen. Teenage kids. <coughs> but ask Christina. She'll tell you. In our book we're writing, she's going to tell everything. But I'm telling you right now. Somebody asked me one time about Ricky. They said, so what if Ricky uh, makes the decision? When will you just give up? I said, when he dies. Yeah. And they paused. <laughs> they said, I said, when he dies. And they paused, and they said, Pastor, I'm sorry, I don't think you heard me. I said, no, you heard me right. I said, I give up when he dies. If he's still breathing, I'm going to try. I'll blow breath in his mouth. I'll beat on his chest until he dies. I'm not giving up on my kids. I'm not giving up on my life. I'm not giving up on anything. Can I get an amen? Amen. Read the rest of the notes on your own. Stand on your feet, praise God. Stand on your feet. I'm done. I'm done. I'm done. Read it on your own. That's why I wrote it down for you. I don't have to say all that. Woe is you. Poor are you. Your life is so bad. Wallow in whatever is going on in your life. Every day of my life I hear stories, tragic stories. I know more than I want to know. But I know one thing's for sure. The God I serve has been too good for me to give up. Come on, say amen. Come on, say amen, church. When I stood in that hospice room and my mother had died, my first words, my first words, God, I trust you. I will not allow this stopped me, stood over her body and said it. I will not allow this. I said it out loud because I couldn't say it in my head. It was a moment. Now it's one. That's how you feel, man. Two. It's just one. A reflection of my dad. I wasn't raised with him. You understand. Just deal with my story. It's my story. I love him dearly. It's just my story. Some of you feel like one. And that's not a bad thing. But all of my life, she'd been down and said, now you listen to me. You listen to me. One day I ain't going to be here. need you to be strong. I said, yes, ma'am. You can't be weak now. You can't give up now. You can't bow to this now. You've got to decide to fight for your sanity. The greatest gift I give my kids is the strength to fight. Depression, please, praise on your fear crowd you sorry y'all apologize but I really don't care I really don't care at all I don't care what you think 
I really don't care. Because I know something. Uh, the fact that I'm here is a miracle from God. The fact that I have any education is a miracle from God. The fact that God's blessed me to be married for 39 years is a miracle from God. The fact I have two sane children is a miracle from God. The fact that I'm not crazy. I've been pastoring for 38 years and I still got my right mind. God is a good God. Come on, people. God is a good God. Come on, shout amen if you're hearing me. I've been through many dangers, toils, and snares, but my God has been faithful to me. I vote a million, I vote two million, I vote millions of dollars, but I've seen God pay it off. I've seen God be faithful to me in the midst of my challenge. So God, today we leave with a fight in our hearts. We leave with a passion to not surrender. To never, ever give up the fight. I'll never lay in a bed of pity for myself. I will never repeat what I don't have. I love these words. Woman lost her leg. It's Robert Shuler's daughter. When he got to her, he said, honey, how did you make it? She said, daddy, I did what you taught me. I focused on what I had left and not what I lost. Come on, amen. I think that's, man, that thing has lifted me. You are too focused on what you lost and not on what's in front of you. It'd be an insult to my mama who scrubbed floors for me. Be an insult to her sacrifice for me to give up now. And so, God, I thank you today. I leave out of here with faith and confidence. Every head bowed. If you're in this room, and you've never given your life to Jesus. What a shame. Come on. No one's asking you to be perfect. It's honest. If you've not given your life to Jesus, you're not really serving God. You know it. You may be a good person. You may be trying, but you're not really in the spiritual fight. I want you to raise your hand. I want to pray for you. Just raise your hand. I want to pray for you. I see you. Anybody else? I'm waiting on you. Come on praying for you. Thank you. Every hand lifted, please, in the room. We thank you for those who raised their hands and many who raised their hearts. May this be the moment that they say, Jesus, be the Lord of my life. I pray for people, God, who have not been in the fight. And if that's you and you know you haven't really been in the fight, lift up both hands high as you can. As these hands are lifted to you, they are committing to being in the fight for real. As they leave, I pray blessing and grace on their lives. I pray this will be the beginning of a new passion to fight forward. In Jesus' name. And everyone say amen. Well, listen, I pray you have been blessed by today's message as we talk about the armor of God and how you must be fully dressed and fully committed. There's something about knowing that you can make a real difference in your life if you decide to be all in. And so let me pray for you. Father, I pray that the message they've heard today will lift them to a new place and inspire them to believe Thank you for the courage, Lord God, to become fully dressed. And thank you for your guidance. Thank you for this time in Jesus' name. 
Hey, listen, I love these opportunities and I pray that I get to see you next time as we continue to talk about the importance of decisions. There's a lot more to talk about, so I'll see you next time. Have a great day. Bye-bye.